In this chamber, the Sanctum Sanctorum, magic is practiced much like a musician practices his scales. Spells are formed and floated upon the ether much as their maker floats above the floor. My name is Conrad, alongside my co-host Duncan, and welcome to the 26th episode of Stranger by the Dozen, the weekly podcast where we recap the adventures of Dr. Stephen Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts, 12 issues at a time. How's it going this week, Duncan? It's going great. I know you hate it when I date the podcast, but I have been just feasting on Arbor Day sweets. <laughs> so like tree-based sweets, I guess? Yeah, pretty much just bark and leaves. Nice. I'd yeah. like to... Ap- I'd like to apologize, everybody, for this for this episode being a week late. I got caught up in family things with the holiday and stuff like that. Hopefully, we should be back on the schedule. And with twenty six and as twenty sixth episode, that means that we've been doing this excursion into the adventures of Doctor Strange for half a year. Oh my gosh! It feels like no time at all. Uh, it feels like some time. <laughs> it feels like some time. Some. <laughs> Uh, you can find the show on iTunes, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, and any fine podcast app. You can contact the podcast at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com, on Twitter at strangerbythedozen12, on Tumblr at strangerbythedozen.tumblr.com, or on Facebook or Instagram by searching for Stranger by the Dozen, or on our new uh, podcast network site at cradoline.com. Give the show a five-star review, and I'll read it on the air. And just to pick everybody up from last week... Um, Doctor Strange is hot on the heels of this mysterious lady who seems to have some magical powers named uh, named Morgana Blessing. While consulting with her, Doctor Strange fought with Mordo. Then Mordo pretended to be Morgana's cat and attacked the Sanctum Sanctorum, sending Morgana and Clea both hurtling through time. Doctor Strange has caught up to, to them in uh, in England during nineteen in like nineteen forty three during World War Two. Oh man, probably the most popular war. I mean, the most popular war comic books wise, I'd say for sure. <laughs> uh, it's just so marketable. It is. <laughs> so while that while in World War Two England, Doctor Strange bumped into uh, future Strange Tales mates Nick Fury and Dum Dum Duggan and the rest of the Howling Commandos. But they don't get names. I mean, they're sort of... They tell you... They, what was that the like really pon- poncy kind of guy? All the commandos have names. I just forget them because, man, these there's a lot of them. And I'm not reading those comics. I'm reading Doctor Strange comics. I know lots of Doctor Strange characters. Fair enough. <laughs> Anyhow, in World War II, Doctor Strange eventually found out that two magicians, uh, Sir Baskerville and Viscount Heinrich uh, Crowler were both uh, allies of Adolf Hitler and the Nazis and the Dread Dormammu, who had gone back in time to conquer the Earth, uh, World War II style. Again, best style. Yeah, and so that's basically where we sort of find our comic, with Doctor Strange having been taken captive by these two mystics and them preparing to do some crazy sacrifice stuff. I think you're really downplaying the aspect that they've decided to pair up Dormammu with Adolf Hitler, because that's just crazy sauce. <laughs> I mean, you know, when you're bad, you're bad. That's how it goes. All the uh, all the heels are on the same side. That's what I say. Fair enough. Anyhow, let's get started with the comics. Uh, Doctor Strange 51 from February 1982. A Time for Love, A Time for Hate. Stanley presents 
Uh, Stern, Rogers, Austin, Novak, Sharon, Milgram, Shooter. Sorcerers all. Nice. That's the most efficient way to do the credits. I mean, that's how they do it. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so we open on um, the rainy mansion of Sir Baskerville, where Baskerville, who is a sort of tall, black-haired English guy, is talking to Crowler, who's a uh, short, white-haired, bald uh, German guy, who's currently walking around looking really ridiculous in Doctor Strange's uh, cloak of levitation. Yeah, it takes a lot of neck to pull off that collar. I mean, you gotta at least be of normal human size, and this guy like comes up to Baskerville's <laughs> waist. He's pretty short. So, they sort of walk around and talk about their plan, etc. We, we, we learned that, uh, so part of the plan involved Baron Mordo, like luring Strange of the Past and stuff. We find out that Mordo is actually, uh, Viscount Crowler's grandson. So it's a crazy thing. Like, cross-generational evil dudes and stuff. The worst kind. That seems really confusing based on just sort of, like, the timeline of this comic. Mm. But, I mean, who am I to judge? We have just... I mean, sternly see... put the t- timelines and, and paradoxes into the trash can and done away with them. I mean, okay, so... So, Doctor Strange, like... Let's say Doctor Strange starts in 1962, and the comic does, right? All right. That's the start date. We'll learn later in this episode that Doctor Strange has has studied with the Ancient One for seven years before he came to New York City, right? So that's so. Say he meets the say Strange meets the Ancient One in Tibet in 1955. Okay. Um, So say Mordo is. The Ancient One's Disciple for maybe, like, five years before then or something like that. So, Mordo hits the Ancient One in 1950. We see Crowler... T- we see a, a, a flashback picture of Crowler, talk- Crowler talking to Mordo as a kid. And even if that's a st- uh, current picture in 1943 or whatever, that's still seven years for Mordo to grow up to become, like, in his early 20s to meet the to start studying under the Ancient One in 1950. I feel like the timeline works. Fair enough. All right. I should <laughs> I should never have kind of like <laughs> thrown I mean, in the I, contest your knowledge of this stuff. I thought about it, you know, and we do find out and like <clears throat> in a later issue this episode we talk like we actually learn a fair amount of the Doctor Strange timeline and stuff. So that sort of gives us some answers is, is basically the thing. Fair and, you know, as well as pointing uh, Mordo towards the ancient one, Crowler also became a Big Buddy and Booster of uh, Adolf Hitler and helped lead, help him rise to power and this whole plan sort of go in action and stuff. So this whole conversation has been kind of a walk and talk by uh, Crowler and and Baskerville as they make it down to the mansion basement. The mansion, by the way, crawling with Nazis and Nazi uh, propaganda, big swastika uh, flags and things like that. And in the basement, we see uh, Clea suspended in air, about to be, you know, sort of waiting to be sacrificed. And the ghostly image of Baron Mordo sort of floating next to her as a giant incarnated fiery Dormammu stands in the background. Looking really cool. I think this is like the coolest Dormammu's ever been. He's looking real cool, that's for sure. So Crowler asks one boon of Dormammu uh, that he spare and or that he release Mordo, so that said Mordo not be killed, and Dormammu's like, no way, buddy. <laughs> he grabs 
Dormammu's body and like crushes him into a green ball, essentially. Um, Mordo's body has been destroyed in the process of moving these guys back in time, and so now Mordo has to find a new body to if, if, if he wants to survive. Oh, is he going to take Hitler's body? Nah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just trying to see what I could work out. <laughs> Meanwhile... <laughs> Meanwhile, we go to Adolf Hitler, who's yelling about wanting to um, wanting to know if, if Dormammu has gained full powers that he can destroy England. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Meanwhile, <laughs> Doctor Str- Strange shows up and is like, "Hey, Hitler, do you know anything about this pact by um, by Dormammu?" But after um, after he scans Hitler's brain, he realizes, "Nah, Hitler is just an." everyday bad guy and not actually someone who knows anything about this Dormammu plan. This is so weird. (laughs) (laughs) He sort of, he sort of mind whammies Hitler briefly and it's like, nah, Hitler's, Hitler's responsible for this evil, I suppose. Right. So he just bails, right? Mm Mm-hmm. He decides to, uh, use Dormammu against himself and he travels to the dark dimension to trick Dor- to trick um, future Dormammu into it, or to trick um, like old school Dormammu into attacking him, essentially. So or so like that. There's Terminator stuff going on here, Duncan. <laughs> oh, okay. You should have said that in the first place. Just Terminator stuff. Well, no, because okay. So the Dormammu in the basement of this castle is like 1982 Dormammu, right? He's okay. Not, uh, Dormammu from 1982, who's gone back in time. So he's going to use a different Dormammu against so, himself? So, so Doctor Strange disguises himself as the Ancient One and heads to the Dark Dimension to attack, um, like, 19, 1943 Dormammu? Like, the, the Dormammu of this era to then right. get, the, like, the, pre, the 1943 Dormammu to attack the time-traveling Dormammu. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> Time travel is terrible. People time like, travel is miserable. People are like, oh, I like time travel stories. But no, no, man, they're no. bad. No, if anyone tells you that they like time travel, tell them that they are incorrect. They just, anyone who says that doesn't know time how time travel works. Right. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, <laughs> uh, Crowler, uh, the agents of Crowler and Baskerville are sent out and kidnap Morgana Blessing, who's, you know, Dr. Strange's new, new gal pal from the future. And Pamela Hawley, who is a uh, Nick Fury and the, and, the, and the Howling Commandos character, who's been sort of taking care of her because Morgana lost her memory when she went back in time. Don't worry about it too much. Right. At the same time, <laughs> nearby, <laughs> the Howling Commandos are just sort of hanging out in their bunk. And they're like, hey, you know who I don't trust? Though, or you know who we don't trust? That... Uh, English castle up on that hillside that's got all the guys speaking German and just had a big uh, shipment of Nazi memorabilia shipped to it. Let's go investigate. Man, he, I understand why he's been promoted so far up the ranks. He's truly a genius. Well, they got some info from G2, which is uh, the precursor to the CIA and stuff, so now they're making their way up to Basketball Castle with sweet grappling hooks, which I always appreciate. That's the only way you can do that kind of stuff. Yep. As they arrive, they're instantly greeted by Nazis in full, like, Nazi regalia. And they're like, oh, man, okay, let's start fighting. Good call, us. Yeah. The uh, Howling Commandos come flying in. There's a lot of fighting. Meanwhile, we're 
Meanwhile, inside the castle, we're beginning crazy ritual stuff. Uh, Baskerville casts a sweet spell by the demons dire of Danak, by the flames of Valentine torn, by the scarlet knight of Dragus. Let Mordo be reborn. And like the green gem kind of thing that was Dormammu's remains gets grafted onto the body of Morgana Blessing, and she's all like green and magical and stuff. It's pretty cool. She kind of looks like Poison Ivy. Yeah. It just looks. No, she looks like She Hulk in a giant fishnet bodysuit. I think that's a better one. Like, she's (laughs) she's definitely green. Like, that is a fact. Yeah. So, meanwhile, there's a big uh, ritual going on to that's not Mordo-based. Instead, Crowler <laughs> leads a big ritual by Dormammu, wherein they're going to, um, you know, incarnate, Dorma- incarnate Dormammu and then guide the Nazi bombs as they attack London, sort of gripped by the hate of Crowler and stuff. Dormammu actually manages to incarnate upon Crowler's head, like Crowler's bald, and now his head becomes the fiery bald head of Dormammu and stuff. <laughs> he looks like the Noid. <laughs> he does. I can I can agree with that. <laughs> oh man. No one's gonna get this. <laughs> There's weird stuff going on. <laughs> so but so the important thing I guess is that Crowler's spell is powered by hate, right? Yeah. Like I mean if you're gonna be evil. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so and then there the power of that hate combined with Mordo's ability and Dormammu incarnated in Crowler are going to use Clea as a portal to summon Dormammu fully into the world and do all the evil stuff and stuff like that. Oh no! It's it's fairly bad, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so It's working really hard to make sure that we know it's bad. Like, oh, we're taking over the world's not enough? What happens if we were doing it with Hitler? Hitler makes everything worse. Yeah. <laughs> so, meanwhile, Doctor Strange, uh, what you calls it, summons the power of past Dormammu through himself to create some kind of crazy love spell to counter the hate. Uh, <laughs> it connects everybody. It connects everybody in the room, um, and leads to some sort of weird thing where. Uh, Pamela Holly, who's like Nick Fury's main squeeze, makes out Doctor Strange, but it's actually her making out with Nick Fury by proxy, I guess? Which is... I wouldn't believe that, but I guess it's up to Nick Fury. Uh, it's, yeah, this is weird. The line, what's going on? She's kissing him, but I I can taste her lips. That's just a crazy thing to say. No yeah, one believes it's just, There's a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> Um, eventually, though, the love of everybody, including Morgana Blessing and stuff, and her newfound love for Doctor Strange, um, defeats the spell, the evil spell of Dormammu, and blows everything up. It's pretty awesome. That is pretty awesome. It looks very chaotic on this page. <laughs> and yeah. they're turning the Noid into a giant entity of, like, mm-hmm. starlight. Like pink, pink energy? Pink splotches? Yeah. Something actually that's been happening in a bunch of Doctor Stranges is they're using this kind of pastel pink color to represent magic stuff. And it's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, it's just I like think they, that it's so like drastically different from all the other colors on the pages that it does make it stand out, though. I definitely agree with you on that. But so the, the, uh, pow- the, uh, the uh, feeling of hatred in the area is defeated by love, which is pretty solid. Uh, Mordo has seemingly been destroyed again. You know, he'll be back, obviously. Um, um, okay. I thought this uh, was it. 
Dormammu has gone too, and Crowler is seemingly driven insane. <laughs> uh, with the moment over, you know, Doctor Strange does his usual thing, uh, brainwashes everybody for so they forget. Yeah. And we learn that now Clea and Doctor Strange's relationship is like strained because. Oh, I freaking wonder why. Because yeah, because when this uh, when this love spell was cast, she learned that Morgana has a deep unconscious love for Doctor Strange that's greater than her own love for him. And so now it's like, ah, oh, like this chick loves my man more than me. Oh, that makes you feel bad. Yeah, that's a bummer. I mean, you can't really feel too bad. Strange hasn't been the best boyfriend. I mean, you know, the fact that this that this new lady is showing up and is all in love over the fact that sort of counter sort of fights with the fact that Dr. Strange is kind of a bad boyfriend, which is just sort right. of the thing, how it goes. But that's that thread after this, Dr. Strange and Clea and Morgana all return to the present because, you know, apparently time travel, not a big deal for Dr. Strange anymore, which is pretty cool. I think actually, <laughs> so long as they don't time travel, you know, yeah. that much. Keep it but under wraps. Exactly. Yeah. This is not an everyday power. so we go to the next issue dr strange 52 from april 1982 lifetimes a stern rogers austin novak sharon milgram shooter production they gotta work on like hyphening that a little bit less well like i think the 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 hyphen words looks decent on the page but man it is a pain to read out loud yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, so they've so so everybody's so strange. Clay and Morgana have returned to the present, but Morgana has fallen into a strange coma. She's in the hospital. Clay is still pretty messed up about the love spell thing, mm-hmm. and like you know, she loves you more than me. That means that you're like a better fit or something. And Doctor Strange is like, "What? Like I don't even know this chick, and we've been dating for like ten years. Like why are you freaking out?" And Clay is like. I just have to freak out. I'm all, uh, you know, I'm not, I, I, I don't have self-confidence because I'm a lady in a comic book, essentially. Yeah. And, I mean, if you want to look at this in a little more granular aspect, like, he's not really done much to, like, work towards strengthening their relationship, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to get into the ways Doctor Strange is taking Clea for granted shortly, I assure okay. you. <laughs> Anyhow, this is all interrupted when uh, a bunch of people barge into the door through the door, it's Morgana's uh, parents and her family physician. We're like, hey, like, Kale for notice that our daughter's in a coma. Like, what's the deal with that? Doctor Strange is like, oh, whatever. <laughs> He's not <laughs> even, like, pretending to be a good doctor. Well, no, he, like, tries to do stuff, but, like, his doctorly um, mean is sort of hurt by the fact that he's just wearing kind of a vest and a shirt and just kind yeah. of grabs it, grabs a stethoscope when they walk in, you know? Really sort of, like clothing for the the period that he's in he looks like uh tango and cash mm, maybe i could i can see that for sure <laughs> anyhow Clea sort of sees herself out when the parents arrive and they're very skeptical before dr strange starts to um before dr strange can make excuses about what's going on clay uh sorry morgana is racked by this by this crazy magical lightning and dr strange hustles everybody out it appears that he's going to have that. There's magical stuff going on with this um, with this illness. He summons Wong to like light a magic candle, and so that they can do some magical stuff. Always doing the heavy work. 
Yeah, well, he was hoping that like Clay would come back with a candle. That was sort of trying to do a, a, a smooth move. But instead, uh, <laughs> Clay sent Wong along, and Doctor Strange is like, oh, my smooth move has backfired. Yep. <laughs> so Wong uh, lights the candle, and Doctor Strange enters into Morgana's mind. He follows the uh, he follows like the links of her soul, and eventually makes his way to the realm of Nightmare, who calls out to him, "Doctor Strange, come forth! The dimension of dreams is beckoning." <laughs> and okay, <laughs> uh, yeah, let's. Uh... Things are about to get weird, Duncan. <laughs> Oh, you mean starting now. Okay. Well, hold on, right. let me get my seatbelt. Yeah, so apparently Morgana going back in time to the past in our previous adventure right. has caused a shard of her soul to come loose and now start reflecting back through time along the karmic line of her past lives. What? One more time, please? Okay. <laughs> she traveled back in time, right? Check. When she traveled back in time, a shard of her soul, like, came loose, I guess, and is now traveling back in time through Morgana's various past lives. Um, Okay, so that's the part that I have a problem with. (laughs) Well, it gets worse, because if that uh, soul shard isn't stopped before it reaches the time of the birth of man, all right? Okay. Then, okay, this is specifically what Nightmare says. If it's not stopped before it reaches the birth of man, humanity's collective unconscious will be irreparably altered, mankind will stop dreaming, and nightmare will cease to be. Wait. Only Doctor Strange can stop the shard. Okay. I, it so, says, though, that, yeah. hu- that uh, man's or humanity's uncon- collective unconscious right. will be irreparably altered. It doesn't yes. say that it'll just like be removed, like... It just sounds like normal time manipulation stuff. When you do something in the past, it just changes the future, but you don't know yeah. that it's changed. Yeah, Why right. am I getting into this? I'm Let's thinking. Just... <laughs> I'm thinking it'll be disastrous. But here's basically the deal. All right, I'm gonna also, I'm gonna synthesize yeah. this down for you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the evil Lord of Dreams has, is hiring Doctor Strange to travel through time through the various past lives of Morgana Blessing. So he's just going to go on a time travel tour. Okay. Find the right person. Magic that person up, and then everything's good. If he fails, then it's the end of the world, as per usual. Oh, okay. So standard strange. Yeah, don't, you know, whatever. We're going to go back in time. Yeah, okay. We're going to go back in time. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be the third episode in a row that I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to quote that when I uh, do the social media stuff for this episode. All right. <laughs> <laughs> So, it's time to go back in time. It's going to be good. Doctor Strange goes back to, I think, Italy in uh, the time of the Spanish Inquisition, which doesn't make sense, but don't worry about it. Okay. There's uh, there's Inquisitors. It's bad. Yeah, Doctor Strange. Sure. Yeah, Doctor Strange is uh, spotted using his magical powers by a lady of the evening before Doctor Strange has a chance to, you know, magic up some clothes and stuff. Apparently, Strange has, like, a a uh, moderate Morgana radar to help um, try to find her. Okay. So he ends uh, up, yeah, why not? Yeah, sure. So he ends up going into a hotel, into like a, a uh, an inn, I guess you'd say, where there is a uh, a lady of the evening who uh, saw Doctor Strange teleport in while she was spending time, quote unquote, with a um, hello patron. With, 
yeah, with, with, with another customer, whatever. <laughs> anyhow, Doctor. Anyhow, eventually she she pours Doctor Strange a drink. He drinks it and passes out because what you calls it. She's working for the Inquisition. Oh yeah, and he's like a magic guy. <laughs> the best part about this whole storyline is that Doctor Strange makes a ton of mistakes, and Nightmare is watching on and yells at Doctor Strange for making for making those mistakes. Oh, that's awesome. So I also got to say I dig his outfit. He looks. This is a good look for him. I think he should try and rock it just whenever he's about town. Doctor Doctor Strange. Yeah. Yeah. He's got kind of a kind of a a, a coat and vest with like a a, a wide brimmed hat and a you know purple coat kind of thing. He's just looking very smart. Yeah, he's looking pretty good, but he's looking less good when he gets dropped in front of the Inquisition, and they're like, "This guy's totally evil." <laughs> Uh, and then it gets even worse when the head of the Inquisition is like, hey, I think you're hiding something from us, demon. And then uh, magic's him to remove like, his, his illusionary clothes, and he's in just Doctor Strange mode. Whoa. And, and they're like, hey, he has magic powers? I guess, or maybe, um, yeah, he's picked up a spell, or he's got religious stuff or whatever. Interesting. And it turns out that and like Doctor the big horns on Doctor Strange's cloak of, of of levitation don't look that good in the Inquisition setting. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So they rip his shirt off, and then Doctor Strange moves out because we always forget that Doctor Strange also learned kung fu when he was learning magic. So <laughs> he can he can use so he can magically get rid of his like 14th century handcuffs and punch dudes out and then run away. Yeah, he can so, do it all. Now it's shirtless Doctor Strange. This issue's for the ladies. Not just the ladies. You know. <laughs> so Doctor Strange makes his way through the fortress of the Inquisitor guys, of knocking dudes out, magicking people and stuff. But he starts to feel pain and gets stopped because um, the lady from the hotel and the chief Inquisitor are like doing some voodoo stuff on him by like stabbing his shirt. They're hurting him as well. Okay. But eventually Doctor Strange catches up with them, starts fighting them and stuff. It's pretty awesome. But the Inquisitor guy, unfortunately, hits the lady from the uh, from the inn, who is Morgana's past life, with a red-hot poker and kills her before Doctor oh. Strange has a chance to, to uh, pull the soul shard out of her. Jeez. Okay. So yeah. what does that mean for so now our adventure? It means we got to go even further back to a previous incarnation <laughs> of Morgana Blessing. Oh, man. Okay. In this case, we travel back to the Yucatan Peninsula, circa the year 800 AD. All right. Yeah. So that's like uh, Incan guys or something. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. So Dr. Strange travels back in time. He is immediately greeted by a, uh, a priestess lady and... Uh, her like manservant, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, Doctor Strange sort of is waiting for the time for is sort of needs to find time to probe her mind, but she can't do it because um, this priestess has like powerful psychic defenses or something, not like the ones Morgana herself had in the future. Ooh, so Doctor Strange bides his time so that when she, when this lady goes to sleep, he can mind whammy her and hopefully catch the soul shard. Uh, he tries to, but in the end, with her magical defenses down, um, he enters her mind, and there's some cool parts where inside the priestess's mind, he's inside the dimension of dreams, and 
he becomes the lady's worst nightmare. And he becomes this weird Doctor Strange nightmare hybrid that's pretty neat, actually. Yeah, this is pretty cool. Like, uh, I think that this is uh, just what I always love about Strange is when he's going through dreams, when he's doing stuff that doesn't make sense, and he's very, like, unhinged. And this is, like, Mm -hmm. exactly what he's doing. Yeah. So, things are getting weird. He chases down the priestess and eventually finds out, and when it's too late... That actually, the manservant was the uh, was the past life of Morgana all along, not Doctor Strange. Wah, wah. Oh my but, gosh! Okay. By the time by the time he figures that out, the Soul Shard has left Twank's um, the uh, the manservant's body and traveled even further back in time. Right. Okay. <laughs> we so press on. So Doctor Strange goes further back. At the same time, we learn in the present that. Um, Morgana will suffer irreparable brain damage if her condition doesn't say, doesn't change soon. So basically, we also got to find the soul shard because that'll wake Morgana up out of her coma. So we got double double um, calls to action here. We got to save hu- humankind's collective unconscious and particularly this lady that seems to be into Doctor Strange. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, now this <laughs> if there wasn't a reason to save her before, there is now. <laughs> So uh, we go to Doctor Strange 53 from June 1982. Land of the Pharaohs. Roger Stern writer, Marshall Rogers and Terry Austin artists, Jim Novak letterer, Bob Sharon colorist, Alan Milgram editor, Jim Shooter chief, Stan Lee presenter emeritus. (laughs) Something interesting with these comics is that they've started adding Stan Lee like back to the byline, basically. Which I can't tell if that's if he's taken a more active role in Marvel, or if they've just, because they've changed the openings, like before it used to be like Stan Lee presents, and there'd, there'd be sort of a stock, um, like introduction to what the comic is. Like it used to be like Stan Lee presents, and then always in the same typeface, like, you know, he was a worldly man, a man of science, but then kind of thing, like the opening for Doctor Strange. Right. But they've taken that out. So now I, I think they might be adding Stan Lee in, in at the end. Or you know, these regular credits just to make sure that he's still getting his due, you know? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's us very similar to him hopping in in all the movie credits. <laughs> Absolutely. So we open with Doc with uh, Nightmare being super pissed at Doctor Strange and being like, "Hey, like you keep like messing up, trying to get this stuff. What's going on?" And then a little like dream demon shows up called a Nit G N I T and sort of gives the background to this episode and explains that Dr. Strange is probably distracted because uh, Clea is, like, freaking out about the whole love situation. Yeah. And it's forcing it's causing him to make mistakes that he normally wouldn't make. Meanwhile, <laughs> Dr. Strange uh, floats in to Egypt. Ancient Egypt. The best kind of Egypt. Nah, I guess <laughs> most kinds are good. I don't think that's... Is there the most, any other kind? The most famous kind of Egypt, I suppose. <laughs> I've only learned everything from Hollywood, so I'm pretty sure there's only ancient Egypt. Mm. So, Doctor Strange is in, you know, so he's at, like, you know, he's in Pharaoh Town. He's looking for the Morgana copy. He enters into the roof of the Sphinx, which isn't usually a whole thing. He enters in and finds that, actually, this Sphinx is full of techno-babble stuff, futuristic things. He flies through, he gets attacked by various modern traps, like there's some there's some missiles and some lasers and some other stuff, and he ends up getting captured. Because, again, uh, what you call it, distracted. <laughs> yeah. 
Meanwhile, in the present, uh, Clea talks to Sarah Wolf, you know, Doctor Strange's business manager, and they kind of talk about love generally or something like that. Um, it's clear that Clea is having some real second thoughts about their about her and Doctor Strange's relationship during this. Meanwhile, Doctor Strange is being carried around unconscious by a bunch of crazy robots. They put him in like a sarcophagus thing, and Doctor Strange and try to vaporize his body just, or force field his body just as Doctor Strange manages to astral form around. He starts flying around the uh, pyramid that they're in now, or maybe the, you know, the, the kingdom they're in, whatever. <laughs> and he bumps into a pharaoh-type guy, and the gods are in Fantastic Four, Duncan. Yeah, I saw that on the cover. I didn't want to give anything away, but uh, I don't know what they're doing back here. They should go home. So here's uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. This is a really early Fantastic Four. You can tell from their uniforms and stuff. These aren't the uniforms they have in 1982. Okay. This is apparently a uh, version a version of the Fantastic Four from before Doctor Strange even met the Fantastic Four. Right. And if you'll remember, Doctor Strange met the Fantastic Four in Fantastic Four, like 14 or something like that. Okay. Um, he met them... Wait, actually, let me check exactly one. Yeah, he met them in Fantastic Four 27 from, like, 1963. So, this is a super early Fantastic Four. They've traveled back in time and have now met this pharaoh guy who's named Ramatut. He's actually a guy from the future who's gone back in time to, um, be from the... to, like, conquer people. Right. It's the most, this is literally the most um, complicated thing in comic books right now. <laughs> I think, you know what, there's no amount of money that you could give me to make me go back in time. Even if I was promised, like, kinghood or whatever. Like, it's just not a good quality of life. I don't want to deal with that kind of stuff. I like indoor plumbing too much. He's from the 30th century. From the 30th century. Um... He's, his real name is Nathaniel Richards. He's named that because because uh, uh, another time traveler from this Earth 616 brought peace to his world. He's a bunch of different people, man. He's Kang the Con He's like partially Kang the Conqueror or something. Um, like, you gotta look... Okay. <laughs> if you look up uh, Ramatut on the Marvel Wikia, it says there's too much going on with this guy. <laughs> read, this, read this entry, then refer to the entries on Iron Lad, Kid Immortus, the Scarlet Centurion, Kang the Conqueror, and Immortus. This is like Spider-Man, the newspaper comic level of bad guy convolution. This guy's every everything and everybody. But the, right. important, the important thing is that... Um, yeah, the important thing is that we're here, we're in the pages of, sorry, I just figured out, we're just, we're here in the pages of Fantastic Four 19, we're in the past, there's a pharaoh who's got techno technological stuff, who's actually a guy from the future, he wants to marry Sue, uh, Sue Storm, as you do when you're involved in, uh, in Fantastic Four stuff, he's gonna enslave the rest of them and make them do dumb stuff, and one of the handmaidens that, uh, is currently dressing Sue, Sue, uh, the captured Sue Storm uh, as like a pharaoh lady is a past life of Morgana Blessing. Right. Freak out. 
There's too much going on in this comic. Is this like an actual old Fantastic yeah. Four comic? Actually, a ton of the art and stuff in this comic um, is from Fantastic Four 19. Okay, well, and that's like, cool. And like the uh, the cover of this comic, it, of, these, of, of the Doctor Strange comic, is yeah. the Fantastic Four comic, but with like a... Um, with a, a ghostly Doctor Strange drawn on on top of it. I'm not sure if I... Actually, you know what? I'm not sure if I think this is cool or if this is cheap. It's kind of interesting. It does one thing um, in that comic, which is explain why Ben Grimm, uh, when, while working under the hot sun of the uh, as a, a galley slave, turned back into regular guy Ben Grimm, was able to escape and just punch all of ancient Egypt... <laughs> to help his buddies get free and <laughs> okay. then turn back into the thing. It's because of the intercession of Doctor Strange. Sure. Oh, man. Poor Ben Grimm. He was so close. <laughs> I mean, you know, do you want to, would you rather be a human in ancient Egypt or a rock monster in the future? Honestly, um, I, don't, I don't see a lot of downsides to being a rock monster in the future, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess it's better than, than, than the alternative. Yeah. But so the, uh, the handmaiden lady... During the distraction of the Fantastic Four wrecking shop all over ancient Egypt, frees Doctor Strange from the sarcophagus thing. The two of them make their way out of the uh, pyramid, and then finally Doctor Strange hits the Handmaiden with a crazy mind whammy spell. Yeah. We see all the faces of the past lives of Organa Blessing down and on through eternity, until finally Doctor Strange uh, fixes her soul with the magic. <laughs> okay. This, uh, cause, because a combination of sort of him helping her and being a cool god dude and just being dashing Doctor Strange, uh, this handmaiden lady is now in love with, with uh, Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. And is like, ah, oh, like, won't, uh, you know, stay here and we'll be, uh, crazy lovers and stuff. And he's like, no, I gotta go back to mine time. Like, He's like, that. I'm too young for you. I've not even been born yet. <laughs> right. I'm thousands of years younger than you. <laughs> and in a strange mishap of Doctor um, or in an odd mishap, I guess, of Doctor Strange, this is the one person he doesn't brainwash as he leaves. Uh, yeah. So instead, he just leaves an ancient Egyptian uh, lady in love, in love with him as he returns to the present. That's kind of gross. Yeah, and it seems as though this love of the by the ancient Egyptian lady, has echoed through the centuries. Oh, good. I'm glad that he didn't get out of that without messing something up. And thus why uh, Morgana loves Doctor Strange so much, even though they've just met, and so forth. Oh, okay. But anyhow, uh, the mission's complete. The uh, reality will not be destroyed, and Morgana wakes up and jumps out of her hospital bed to hug Doctor Strange in front of her folks, which is uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, with that uh, sort of uh, nightmare rages that now he's beholden to Doctor Strange, and and here's the big part, Duncan. Mm-hmm. Doctor Strange comes home and is like, "Hey, like Morgana's good. Let's like go get Chinese food or something, Clea." <laughs> but uh, what's with your suitcase there in the foyer? And Clea is like, "Hey, do you remember a couple episodes or last episode where those guys from the Dark Dimension?" Offered to make me the leader of a resistance movement against Umar, against Umar in the Dark Dimension to re, to uh, overthrow those evil guys on the throne and recover and recover the Dark Dimension for the people. And I said no. Change my mind. Uh, uh, Clea basically says, 
I'm going back to the Dark Dimension to lead the Resistance Movement. You should go with that Morgana lady. She seems to really like you. Uh, peace out. I'm gone. Or, I'll never forget you, my love. And she fades away into a mist. As she does, Doctor Strange is, is distraught. He shouts, no, Clea, no, don't leave me. Sort of stands, just stands weeping against the banisters of the, of the stairs. Wong goes to him and tries to comfort him, but instead Strange just looks at him and walks up the stairs of the Sanctum Sanctorum, his head bowed. The, uh, the final message of the, of, of the, of the <laughs> issue, a broken heart that reads, the end. Steven wow. Strange got dumped, y'all. Yeah, that's what happens. Can't take can't take your loved ones for granted. Everyone, go go into the next room, into your pantry, and call someone that you love or something. Just you know, yeah. be a better know. boyfriend. That's the key, or girlfriend, if that's your, if, if 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 that's how you go. Don't be like Doctor Strange and take things for granted. Hey, Duncan, you ready to eat some ice cream with Doctor Strange? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this is the most Ben and Jerry sponsored Doctor Strange ever. It's really true. Okay, so we go to Doctor Strange 54 from August 1982. Also, shout out to my brother who was born in between these two issues. <laughs> this oh, issue is he, he a, real... a really sad world for Doctor it's Strange. Just, it's a real depressing time if he was a baby reading Doctor Strange. <laughs> <laughs> this issue is called Alone, Stern and Dematteis script, Smith and Anderson pencils, pencilers, Austin Rubenstein inkers, Novak and Rosen letterers, Milgram and Sharon colorists, Milgram and shooter editors. This is kind of a cool issue. Um, it's got two two kind of it's got a framing story and then a flashback story, and the art styles for the two are really cool and like or are really different, and so you kind of get a sense of like a more of this more kind of realistic like darkly drawn present of dr strange and this sort of sunnier lighter like past of dr strange which is neat i think mm -hmm. so we open with dr strange in the sanctum like he's in full costume but otherwise there's a lot of, a lot of candles a lot of darkness in the sanctum he's feeling real bad about clea leaving him she left 24 hours ago and dr strange is basically just feeling real bad he's sad yeah as he weeps and reflects on the past events and like Clea saying that he should date Morgana instead. And he's like, I don't even know Morgana. What's going on? You know, he thinks back to happier days when he and Clea were walking in Central Park and just sort of having fun stuff, uh, messing around with kids with like, a, you know, a kid loses a balloon and Doctor Strange uses, the ma uses magic to bring the balloon back to them, which is pretty nice. Yeah. But then a no good beatnik runs up and says, like, hey, you're Doctor Strange. you got to help me. He He's stealing my ego. How does he... I didn't know Doctor Strange was that famous. He, like, mind-wipes everyone he knows. That's true. But I think he has some reputation as someone who dabbles in the dark arts and stuff. Fair enough. Like, a also, dude like this who, who believes in conspiracy theories might, like, believe in Doctor Strange. Exactly. Oh, also, Duncan, something to notice? In the present, Doctor Strange has, his ha has a handlebar mustache. In the past, he's back to his pencil mustache. Just put a pin in that, all right? Gotcha. So uh, this no-good hippie kind of guy wakes up in a side room in Doctor Strange's Sanctum Sanctorum. Doctor Strange tries to question him about what's going on, but then he gets attacked by demons, the uh, the guy does. Mm -hmm. Doctor Strange sort of war you know, banishes them with minimal effort, as well as getting rid of a uh, 
metal and when a metal plate is then uh, summoned onto the kid's head, Doctor Strange just straight up uh, reaches into his brain and oh. gets the exposition. He learns that uh, this cat, this dude's name is Tim Alpert. He uh, turned to mysticism in hope of something, in hopes of finding some meaning in his life. He fell in with this guru dude, who eventually learned his, uh, you know, started following him and fell in with this group, with this uh, into this cult by this guy named Petey Wallace, who is beginning to. Uh, Take who begins sapping the individualities of his various followers and stuff. This guy fled and decided to find Doctor Strange to help him, like, figure out what's going on. All right? Right. So, Doctor Strange is like, that's a bummer. I'll help you out. So he tries to... So he enters into his astral form and flies straight into Tim's brain to see what's going on in there. Inside, he finds Albert's ego, or if he finds Tim's ego which is a big white cube now being attacked by uh, demons and stuff. We know egos look like big white cubes inside people's brains because that's when that's how Dr. Strange became Sorcerer Supreme when he destroyed the Ancient One's ego, which caused the Ancient One to become one with the universe. But in a regular person, I think it just sort of makes them a mindless blob. Whatever. Yeah, everyone needs an ego. Yep. Dr. Strange fights um, all the demons and stuff in there. Things are going okay, but suddenly gets thrown out of Tim's brain and back into his own body. What could be stopping it? We find out that both straight that everyone's being watched remotely by this PD Wallace guy, and more importantly, the crazy the uh, three pronged head that forms the silhouette of longtime Doctor Strange villain Taboro. Oh man. <laughs> It's hard to take this dude seriously. He looks ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, we're going to talk about it in a second. Right. Anyhow, Do- Dr. Strange walking down the street gets attacked by the giant ghostly form of P.B. Wallace wielding Taboro's uh, power scepter. He gets uh, zapped by the scepter. A bunch of demons come out too. Dr. Strange fights him in astral form. Because he's on the street, his body collapses and a bunch of like good Samaritans and cops like run to run to his aid, like, hey, passed out, dude, like, we'll help you. And he's like, no, I'm eventually, after he pretty easily actually defeats Wallace, he comes back to his body and just kind of starts running away, like, I'm fine, see you guys later. <laughs> Strange returns to the Sanctum Sanctorum and finds it under attack. Uh, Tim has apparently been once again taken over by Wallace and Taboro, causing Wong to be stuck against the wall by the Crimson Bands of Saderac, Sidorak, which is a jerk move. Yeah. Meanwhile, Clay has been doing the uh, due diligence and found a whole bunch of people who are also been uh, joined the cult that uh, Tim was part of. She apparently leaned on this uh, cop contact that Doctor Strange has that he uh, fought that he and Clay have fought sewer monsters for back in Doctor Strange thirty at the start of the Dweller in the Darkness saga. So this is a good like, oh yeah, Doctor Strange deep cut from. Episode, what do I want to say? Yeah, from episode 17 of the podcast. Good times. <laughs> but this whole thing is called the Circle of Decay, which gives Doctor Strange a, uh, a clue as to what's going on and allows Doctor, you know, Doctor Strange sort of follows them back to the Circle of Decay, gets in a big fight, and finally realizes that this whole thing is about to borrow from old school Doctor Strange stuff. Like, Doctor Strange fought to borrow 
in Strange Tales 29, the second episode of this podcast, Duncan. Oh, man. Where I made my uh, um, immortal joke, do- Domo Origato, Mr. Taboro. That's a, oh, that's yeah, a, I remember that one. That was classic. That's, yeah, that's a solid Dr. Strange joke, buddy. That's going to be on the greatest hits album we're producing. Exactly. But so the thing about Taboro back then was that he said that he came around when ages began to decay and like when there was a lot of spiritual rot or something like that. And so Dr. Strange managed to, to defeat him by having sort of a magic duel and then saying that, hey, like I'll prevent the further rot of Western, of a, not Western, of human civilization. He's unsuccessful and these cultists are not helping it. They're trying to summon Taboro into the earth and now they've gotten a bunch of Taboro powers it's bad times <laughs> eventually though dr strange follows Taboro into his realm they have another big magic fight all that stuff dr strange calls forth the dreams the hopes the caring the love of all the people that are involved in this cult that are anathema to Taboro and turns him into a stone idol once and for all it's pretty fun how big is like, he i mean let's say <laughs> Nah, it looks like he's big, but he's in another dimension, too, so it's like, whatever. Oh, fair enough. Um, Doctor Strange sort of mind-whammies them, mind-whammies them to not be depressed anymore. Like, all these guys were, like, sort of down and out, looking for meaning in their life, and this Taboro cult sort of gave it to them. Yeah, for um, sure. So Doctor Strange casts a, um, like, a psychiatry spell on them. <laughs> like, hear me, powers, air, all-seeing, touch these mortals of the earth. Make them shun the mystic fleeing, but still let them know their worth. So, it's a... Sweet. It's, <laughs> it's like he... That's how you use mind-altering powers for good, Doctor Strange. Yeah, it's a solid... It's a, it, it's a combo, a uh, brainwash, and self-esteem booster, which is, which is nice. Also, the reason I was talking about Taboro's statuesque size was because I feel that would be, like, a good keepsake for him on this adventure. He's just like collecting like villains and stuff. Yeah, Batman style. Yeah, definitely. I forget if he has, if he still has the statue from their first encounter back in the sixties. That they they definitely could. <laughs> but so after uh, after all these no good hippies and stuff have been helped, Clea points out one who has a handlebar mustache, and is like, "Hey, that looks like a meat mustache." And you used to have one of those back in like Strange Tales one ten, like back when you first started. Like, hey, why don't you uh, grow that mustache out? I think it'll look cute on you. <laughs> and that's the origin of Doctor Strange's must, uh, new mustache. And now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> <laughs> that's the real reason why we were like following Doctor Strange. I mean, it does. It sort of does sort of answer why his mustache has suddenly grown out to the longer length. If you were really interested in that kind of thing. <laughs> Wait, was that the reason why you wanted me to pay attention to his mustache length? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> I was. I was personally expecting it to be like some sort of like time travel kerfuffle where he's like choosing to stay in like the past, but yeah, I don't know. No I such mean, luck. This is much better. This is much neater. No, well, it's just sort of a fun, it's just sort of a neat like, I don't know, character moment of them and their relationship and just sort of a fun thing they do. Right. Like, I don't know. What? What did what, you say, Duncan? Especially after all this heartbreak. Exactly. But so, you know, but now Doctor Strange goes, we come back to the future with sad Doctor Strange with the mustache <laughs> and stuff. And he's like, ah, oh, I miss Clea. She probably needs my help in the Dark Dimension. I'll open a portal there and help her. No, don't. But leave her alone. As, as he does, the portal um, 
the, the, the portal dis, uh, disperses as he tries to jump through it. Because he's so wrecked by this lost relationship, he re- eventually he just realizes that he's going to have to work on this thing his own, on his own. Clay is gone. He might never see her again. By the shades of the seraphim, has there ever been a mystic more wretched than I? In all the world, in all the stars, I feel so alone. It's crazy. We're getting a lot of a lot of Doctor Strange sadness this episode, which is kind yeah, of a he, bummer. Yeah. Yeah, I feel bad for him, but I also feel like, I don't know, it takes two to tango in this sort of situation, so I don't know how sympathetic I can be. I think it's just neat to see sort of him be characterized as a person, you know? So often yeah. Doctor Strange can be really emotionless and aloof and stuff. Yeah, oftentimes he's just sort of used as like a weapon to fix a problem at the end of a story. Like, that time mm-hmm. like him and Silver Surfer like reversed like the magnet, or the, the polar polarization of the Earth in order mm-hmm. to like, turn off someone's evil superpowers and mind control. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, I mean, that was good, but, like, I think that this is almost a little bit more rewarding to see him having, like, a a human, like, reaction to something that's not, like, just him having to pay rent or whatever. Yeah. Well, I think it, that's an interesting point, Dr. Strange sort of showing up at the end to, for, to solve the problem. That's actually happening. We aren't going to cover it on the podcast because his role in it is very small. But for sure. As all this stuff is happening, uh, Galactus is invading the Earth, sort of for his, you know, every five years or so attack on the on 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 Earth. <laughs> um, it's a it's 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 like a moderately big event. It's a big uh, Fantastic Four event, especially. And for sure. So during this time of the period of this podcast, Doctor Strange sort of shows up in Fantastic Four, basically to trip Galactus, which allows other characters to take him out, essentially. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, like I like I I talk about it on the podcast, but so it's for Fantastic Four number two forty three. But Doctor Strange is literally on one page of that comic. Yeah, and, like, and like, honestly, the less Fantastic Four we have to talk about, the better. We've already done one. We already covered one Fantastic Four story. But yeah, what more do you people want from us? <laughs> but also, you know, it's just generally, it's sort of like it's not a big Doctor Strange story. It's not really worth covering. Right. For the purpose of this podcast, at least. <laughs> Instead, let's go to Doctor Strange 55 from October 1982. To have loved and lost. Roger Stern scripter, Michael Golden and Terry Austin artists, Jim Novak letterer, Glenna Swine colorist, Alan Milgram editor, Jim Shooter vizier. Whoa, okay. Jim Shooter has all these different weird names for himself because he's uh, the editor-in-chief and just sort of like, you know, doesn't take it too (laughs) seriously, you know? Yeah, clearly. So Doctor Strange, he's at the Sanctum Sanctorum. He hasn't, like, eaten in a week. He's wheeled down. Um, Wong and Sarah Wolf are really worried about him and just sort of that he's lamenting himself and is all depressed. He hasn't, you know, he's all, like, got a five o'clock shadow and stuff. We see him suddenly hallucinating, uh, and we wow. see and we see Clea appear once again, kind of giving the same spiel as um, like go hang out with Morgana. Like if you really loved me, you would have come after me by now, but you can't because you you aren't focused and stuff. But that turns out to be an illusion. Like the problems that he's really sad and sorcerer, so he's sort of freaking himself out a little bit. Right. And then and then suddenly another wizard appears, just sort of teleporting in the uh in the in in the corner of the sanctum he introduces himself as dakim the enchanter who is a uh evil as heck 
an evil looking sorcerer guy yelling at Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is like, I know who you are. Thank you very much. Um, and Doc Kim is like, hey man, <laughs> like how about we do some It's a Wonderful Life stuff? It'll be good times. I gotta say, the art in this comic is incredible, by the way. The art's really neat. Like, um, we've, we've actually changed. We, the last couple ones have been with um, Marshall Rogers and Terry Austin. We've just sort of changed between last issue and this issue to um, Michael Golden, to Michael Golden, who's got a really realistic style that's really neat and these sort of mystical dealings. And yeah. He does. A, he draws a really good depressed Doctor Strange. Actually, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say he's nailing it. Doctor Strange looks so sad. <laughs> but so Dakim grabs Doctor Strange's, at, you know, pulls his soul out of his body, and flies him down to uh, the Temple of the Ancient One, where the Ancient One is still old, is still alive, and and still um, as his disciple has Mordo, like. You're Doctor Strange. You died in the automobile uh, crash. Now I'm Ancient One Sorcerer Supreme, still being served by the evil Baron Mordo. It's like you hadn't lived. Blah blah blah. <laughs> and that starts to freak Doctor Strange out. But then suddenly, it's even more freaked out. He's like, "This is madness!" And then suddenly, he's standing in a padded room in a straitjacket. Oh man. Okay. We're going full that one episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer here. <laughs> As it turns out that um, this Da Kim guy is Doctor Strange's uh, psychiatrist, and the two orderlies are guys who look like Wong and Sarah Wolf. And apparently, <laughs> this guy who we think who thinks he's uh, Doctor who thinks he's uh, Doctor Stephen Strange is actually like a crazy dude that's been reading Doctor Strange novels or comic books, yeah. and has now gone crazy thinking that he's a, a fictional character. Oh no, <laughs> this is like the old switcheroo. Yep. <laughs> Strange, uh, so Steven, quote-unquote, runs out into the street, tries to fly away, but can't, because, you know, it's not a cloak of levitation, he's just some dude. <laughs> he, looks uh, up at, he looks up at a nearby movie theater, and sees that it's showing Doctor Strange 2, Beyond Ragador, in the theater. Which, hey, oh man, if that's the actual title of Doctor oh, Strange man. 2, that'd be so funny. That would be amazing. <laughs> no one would really understand it, but that would It'd be... It'd be, be an in-joke for just people who have listened to episode 26 of Stranger by the Dozen. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but so, all of the uh, people start chasing after him. They think that he's the actor who plays Doctor Strange and stuff. <laughs> Strange escapes into, uh, the, into his psychiatrist's car, and they drive downtown to... Um, the to Greenwich Village, where the Sanctum Sanctorum is, and they, they, they sort of see it from the outside. They walk upstairs and into like where the Sanctum would be, and instead they find an artist and a writer, who I'll tell you right now, Duncan, look like young versions of Steve Ditko and Stan Lee, <laughs> and whose names um, are Ted are Ted uh, Tevosky and Les Stain, which are also uh, anagrams of Steve Ditko and Stan Lee. Yep. Yeah. And they basically say, like, yeah, man, we write um, <laughs> Doctor Strange. We made up the character. Like, I appreciate you being a fan, but, you know, it's all fake. You're just crazy, buddy. Oh, man, um, okay. I'm starting to believe it. Maybe he is crazy. Yeah, but then he bumps into them, and, Stan, and the uh, fake Stan Lee and Steve Ditko fall over and just become wooden props. The whole thing becomes wooden props. The Doctor turns back into Dakim. 
the Sanctum Sanctorum turns into um, just like a set, like a TV set. Right. <laughs> Suddenly the, the Defenders show up and Dakim like pops the air vent on the leg of Valkyrie and she deflates like a giant balloon in a very kind of creepy way. <laughs> yeah, that's terrifying. Looks like the, he just killed her. Yeah, things are getting just more and more off the realms, off the <laughs> off the rails as Doctor Strange's like sanity is questioned. Like, are you real? Is any of this real? Is this just an illusion? What could be real? Finally, Doc Kim confronts Doctor Strange. Like, take this silver dagger, and you can join us all in unreality and never know loneliness again. One thrust, and you'll regain a world. But luckily. <laughs> Doctor Strange refuses to believe this. I reject death. I reject madness. I reject despair. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. And it turns out that, in fact, this whole time, this uh, wizard guy, Dakim, is actually the evil fear being despair. That's, oh, man. We'll remember despair as being spelled D apostrophe S-P-A-Y-R-E, which is not how you spell despair. Oh, shoot. I've got to update some documents. <laughs> and he and Doctor Strange have a big wizard fight, essentially. Doctor, you know, Despair is trying to show Doctor Strange true fear. And Doctor Strange is like, no, I reject that. Like, I will power over him. Um, yeah, this is really twisted and cool, though. Yeah. By the end, yeah, like, they have a huge fight. Uh, the Nagari, those demon guys from the other world that Wong's ancestors are from, show up, too. There's just a whole bunch of fighting. Despair tries to, tries to freak Doctor Strange out by saying, like, oh, no, you're, you've trapped Kalea in, this, uh, in the Crimson Bands of Sidorak with me. But Strange is like, no, man, I see through you. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, close tight, ye bands of Sidorak, and hear me hosts so clannish that by the will of Doctor Strange, may this despair now vanish. And with that, uh, despair is defeated. Doctor Strange reflects on the dagger on the silver dagger, which I believe was from Silver Dagger, as I recall. <laughs> he sort of realizes that in his sadness, he's come so close to surrendering his life. And But he reassures himself that in the end, how wondrous is the will of man to fall into the depths of despair, but still find the strength to refuse death. And as sort of the sun starts to shine in New York City, Dr. Strange... Uh, like, says, maybe things aren't so bad after all. And, uh, hey, Wong, like, could you make me a sandwich or something? Which is nice. <laughs> so we sort of managed to come through his, like, conquer his depression a little bit and maybe get back to Sorcerer Supreme for, for some amounts. Which is cool. Like, I don't know. It's a cool way for a guy to get over, like, his, his, um, his, his girlfriend leaving him to have a big, like, wizard fight and stuff. I've seen worse ways, I guess. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that that... Man, the art really like went, like helped so much in just expressing the emotion of this comic. Yeah, I'll try that. to, I'll try to put some extra stuff up for this issue because it is actually a really awesome. It is a really well done issue with a lot of like stuff with darkness and characters fighting each other and like trippy things coming from all directions and stuff. It's pretty neat. Yeah, and then just sort of like the way that even at the very end, like he could have let Clea be his downfall by like realizing that despair had her inside the um the, what was it the bands of sidorak yeah so like he if he you know 
fell for that, like which he easily could have in his moment of weakness. Like, yeah, that would have been the end for him. But like, he had to see through that, obviously, like and and grow in order to like overcome this this villain. Yeah, I, it's I think a, that worked well. Yeah, it's a cool way to show that he's not just um, not sad about Claire, but maybe even has kind of gotten over her a little bit in the span of the last few months. You know, right? Well, I think that there's like. You know, he he's definitely like moving on, and he also just realized that like he he can't let his his depression be like the the reason for his own destruction. Yeah, I agree with that. It's cool. Let's do one more before the break, Duncan. Yeah, let's knock it out with. Well, All right. I'll let you reveal the surprise. <laughs> We're gonna do Rom Forty One from April nineteen eighty three, the Dweller on the Threshold. Bill Mantlow script, Sal Buscema pencils, Arking and Garvey finishes, Jim Novak letters, Ben Sean colors, and the Sensi editor, Jim Shooter, prime director. We don't have to get too far into Rom Space Night and sort of what the deal is with him. We're only going to be here two, 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 yeah, two issues. Right. But basically, Rom Space Night is another uh, toy that has a comic book version it's written by Bill Mantlow. He's also the guy that did uh, Micronauts last issue or last episode. I gotta say, like, Rom looks like a very, as far as the character goes, he looks very simplistic. He's just kind of like a silver robot with some spots for red stickers and stuff. And I think that this is, I don't know, you said yeah. the toy came first? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he looks way more like his toy than the Micronauts look like their toy, actually. Yeah, that if, was, if you ask me. That was pretty upsetting. I was doing some research afterwards. And the Micronaut toys are the pits. Yeah, but I think if you look at Rom, at the Rom toy, you'll be at least reassured that it's basically the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they didn't like really try and do something over overly complex with the cartoon art or comic book art. Yeah, so the basic thing is Rom. Rom is a knight, is a space knight, travels through space, fights bad guys called dire wraiths. That's basically that's basically all you need to know, I think. For sure. Um, as Doctor as Rom fights Space Knight, or fights Dire Wraiths high above us in space. Doctor Strange is meditating about roughly the same thing, and sort of feels Doc feels um, Rom's like struggle and stuff. So to help him, Doctor Strange flies up into space and is like, "Hey, man! Like Rom, you're having a big confrontation with the Dire Wraiths. Yeah, let me fly up and help you. You know, fair enough." Yeah, it's cool. it's it's pretty cool. That's good superheroing, I think. Yeah, but as he does, of him. yeah, exactly. But as he does, he's stopped by the awesome golden Ken doll body of the Living Tribunal. <laughs> Man, you'll remember the Living Tribunal from like, golly, a thousand years ago, when, right? When Doctor Strange fought Zom, I think, and there was like an imbalance, and Doctor Strange had to fix it, and this is all like. Yeah, this is on like episode five of the podcast. We're really, really going back to the back to the well in these in, in these <laughs> issues this week. They're running out of bad guys to use. I mean, you know, it's always good to bring back new bad guys. I think. No, for sure. Yeah. So the Living Tribunal shows up. He's gold. He says, "Hey, I watch the balance between good and evil and stuff. Uh, preserve it. Preserve the balance across. Uh, preserve the balance of white and black magic." Among the multiverse, you're sworn to uphold that balance, but you failed. Why? Because black magic is on the wane on Earth because you're so badass. You did all of the uh, black magic stuff, so white magic is too powerful on Earth. 
to deal with this imbalance and to restore equity to uh, reality, the Living Tribunal summons the Inbetweener back to fight Doctor Strange. The Inbetweener will remember as being this guy. He is like half black and half white and just sort of checkerboarded around and stuff. Wears a nice kind of short robe. Yeah, very and, short. Mm-hmm, and maintains the balance between a perfect balance. Last time he was going to kill, destroy the Earth to maintain the balance between life and death. Um, now he's back to do re- restore that same balance with uh, magic and stuff. Uh, at the same time, Rom is fighting this mysterious uh, Void Wraith bad guy kind of thing. Just the standard Rom bad guy stuff, I'd say. Or Dire Wraith, I should say. Not Void Wraith. But he fights it. <laughs> yeah, it's doing right. Sorry, buddy. I'm trying to, trying to help out the... Right. I don't want to, like... I don't know if the Venn diagram is between people who listen to this show and enjoy Rom, um, and <laughs> to the extent that they exist, I say welcome, and you're, and this is a safe space for you. Yeah, we'll get, we'll try and figure out what wraith is what. <laughs> but so this dire wraith turns into a uh, angelic kid who tries to, um, like you know, trick Rom into helping her out because she'll turn human again. Rom wants to be human because right now he's a cyborg space knight guy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's a noble cause. Totally. People always yeah. want to turn into a robot, or robots always want to turn into people. You know, it's like uh, it's like how musicians always want to be actors, and actors always want to be musicians. But when an actor becomes a musician, it always works out. So there is a difference there. I mean, it works out as well as when musicians act, I guess. <laughs> Anyhow, back on Earth, there's a bunch of ROM stuff that we don't really care about. Uh, his, <laughs> his girlfriend goes evil or gets merged with an evil robot. And these other evil guys, I, I I don't know. The important thing is that Doctor Strange is fighting the in-betweener. That's what I have to say. Yeah, pretty much. He's taking care of all the important stuff. And as he's sort of fighting him, fighting the in-betweener to a standstill, Rom is sort of ten feet away being tempted by this ghost kid in a golden doorway, saying like, hey, come through the doorway and be evil, or sorry, be human again, it'll be good. Rom goes through the doorway as the in-betweener and Strange continue their magic fight. Uh, things look bad, and Doctor Strange calls out and gets blasted by the in-betweener. As he does, Rom suddenly snaps awake as he steps through the evil door- the doorway and realizes that, oh yeah, this is an evil doorway. <laughs> There's <laughs> like de- demons and fire and all that stuff in here. This isn't a good place to hang out. <laughs> Rom kills the demon, flies back out, and... He shouts at the tribunal, like, where's your balance now, tribunal? <laughs> <laughs> and apparently just the apparently all this new dire wraith and ROM stuff is messing up the tribunal's readings about um, what's good and what's evil and how much of it there is around um, Earth. So essentially, ROM promises to uh, restore the balance that is out of whack because of all the dire wraiths and stuff. And he's and the tribunal in between her sort of fade away, leaving Doctor Strange and Rom to deal with the problem. <laughs> right. Okay. Just pass that bucket. Yeah. Exactly. And dealing with finding the balance between the dimensions and stuff is where we'll pick up after the break with the next Rom Space Knight. Then we'll do one more Doctor Strange adventure with some characters from the new movie that should be pretty exciting. And then we'll go deep, deep into Defender's stuff. There's going to be so much Defender's stuff, Duncan. So much exciting Defender's stuff. As okay. some, of your, some of your favorite characters 
die, live, and die again. Oh, wait, no, backwards. What? Live, <laughs> die, and live, die, and live again. That's what I mean to say. Oh, okay. That's our fourth comic book again. Indeed. All this and Spider-Man after the break. Oh man, I hope Spider-Man doesn't die. <laughs>